G'day and welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie on this Monday night, March 20th, 2023, following round one of the AFL season and more importantly, the AFL fantasy season. Round one had a bit of everything, plenty of mid-prices firing early, some pretty solid rookie scores, a few unfortunate injuries, Kyle and Harmy, uh, a tag here or there. And one major captain option that did not show up. Joining me, as always, to chat all things about the round that was and what's to come in round two, it's the full Pod Pod crew. We have the highly credentialed lads of Holmesy, Louis, Harmy, but more importantly, a man who's living by his preseason mantra Make Stato great again. Statesman, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dossie. Great to hear your dulcet tones. The old voice is still struggling along there, buddy. Might have to take over soon. Yeah, be my guest. It is a struggle. I'll get my voice right soon, folks. But uh, let's talk about the other lads. We've got to talk about Stato's score very soon, but we will get to that segment. Harmy, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm not going too bad, thanks, Dossie. Don't have as big a smile on my face as Stato, that's for sure, coming into tonight. Yes, another depressing man uh, on the crew is Holmesy. Bit flat as well yourself there, mate. Yeah, look, mate, we've been better, but you've been calling me grumpy Holmesy all preseason, so I've decided I need to turn it around. So, I've had a shocker to start, a bit of unluck, a bit of a lot of unlucky things, really, but a few things that I need to fix. But I'm choosing to be positive from here, and there's only one way up. So, keen to workshop it with you lads tonight so I can start to climb back up. Yeah, can't wait to have a chat about all things round one and heading into round two. Louis, how are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Uh, it's good to have footy back um, as a football lover and a fantasy lover. So, it was, a, it was an interesting week. We saw how some of the cards fell and uh, just keen to start getting into some of the trade strategy where uh, hats are truly won. Yep. Well, before we get into that, let's do our round recap. And we're switching it up this year. We're using a segment that we used in the preseason, but we're switching it into our weekly segment to describe the round that was. It's Lux or Sucks. All right, this is going to be our round score review, that sort of thing, plus a player we liked and didn't like, and that is the Lux or Sucks part of this segment. Who are we going to start with? Ooh, bottom to top or just a random mix? Let's start with Holmesy. You said you're a happy man. Kick it off, mate. Yeah, nice of you to go bottom to top, Dossie. Great work. Nah, so yeah, <laughs> bit of a stinker for me, lads. Uh, 19-11, uh, started on Friday night with a Tom Stewart injury. Never never really helps, but the, the sucks I'm going to put on is myself. I decided to take a bit of a risk and go really light in defence. I thought that might be a bit of a play this year and um, unfortunately, now with a couple of forced injuries, it's it's many I'm starting really behind. So that's definitely the sucks there. And now with some of these backline rookies maybe being under a bit of pressure to hold their spot as well, it's not looking like a good decision in hindsight. My Lux, I'm going to go a little bit left field and I'm actually going to give it to Sean Darcy at R2. So for all of the panic that I had for R2 in the preseason, uh, Sean Darcy putting up a 104 against St Kilda in that game. Um, you know, that's close enough to what English did for that 115. So, for Price, um, I was pretty happy with that, how that paid out, played out. Yeah, going to talk more about Shawnee Darcy in a little bit. Very impressive first game of the season. Louis, how was your round? 
Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, copped a couple of bullets in uh, Josh Kelly um, and one of the guys I'll speak about in a moment. But I scored nineteen eighty eight for the round, so just shy of that two k mark, which I was a little bit cut up about. But that put me at ranked twenty five thousand three hundred and seven. So part of that twenty five k club, which is quite nice. <laughs> the lux goes to James Sicily, I think. Um, he turned it over pretty well for that 130, and I think um, Touchwood, that might be a sign of things to come for him as well, um, just by the eye test. And the sucks, unfortunately, it was Fergus Green with the 30 on field at F6. I just felt that mature age had uh, been putting up decent numbers in the VFL against Essendon, um, that he might be one that would pop a 50 or 60, but... Also, overarching all that, I thought he might be the one who's least likely to be the sub, being that he's a few years older, a few more years in the system, a little bit fitter, and fortunately, it just wasn't the right play. So, uh, Fergus Green gets the sucks for me. Yeah, it's a bit rough. Uh, let's head over to Harmy for his recap. Uh, so, round one, my score was um, 2,013 points, so... Um, similar to Holmesy there, I had um, Stewart and, and Josh Kelly as well. And Josh Kelly was ticking really well there. I think he was a sort of catching up to Tom Green, um, but then got the head knock. So I'm a ranking 18,947. So I'm coming from a long way back, not quite as far back as Lou, but um, we've got a bit of work to do. My Lux pick, I'm going to throw out James Warpool. He's Put out a score of um, 96 there, um, priced at 52. That's the sort of value pick that we really look um, for in the preseason. So he's a guy that's just put up a score 40 above his um, priced at figure. So that's pretty awesome. But on the flip side, my sucks um, has got to be Tom Stewart. So yeah. It only took the uh, fifth quarter of footy for the season to hit an injury. So priced at 94 um, and on that score of 14. So that was a bit of a sad result for me there. Yeah, two very sad coaches with uh, the Tom Stewart injury. And and, yeah, pour one out for all the coaches out there that dealt with an injury to whether it was a Tom Stewart or or a Tristan Sherry, you know, both options looking looking good early. I mean, Tom Stewart barely had a chance to show if he was looking good or not, but um, both options, you know, solid enough choices and you just got incredibly unlucky with the first round of the season injuries. Um, We will talk about replacements as well coming up in our questions and hot topics, but let's get to Dossie. Um, just the just the mild score for me this week. Bit disappointed with the twenty one thirty four uh, rank of sixteen sixty eight. If you don't mind, but um, yeah, a lot of work to do uh, for the boys. But um, I'll give my lux first um, before we get to the sucks. I was thinking about the Will Setterfield one twenty two, but I got to give it to Tommy Cole with his seventy down back Holmesy. And a, uh, a a brilliant display from the West Coast defender, wouldn't you say? Yep, well done, Doss. Cheers, mate. <laughs> no comment from uh, from Holmesy. I thought he was supposed to be a bit more cheery. Uh, on the suck side of things, uh, Jake Bowie. Look, uh, I think I had the right idea with the matchup play. All the other defenders fired. He just sat himself on the bench, didn't get involved in any of the garbage time, and scored a sixty-two. So Jake Bowie. Is my sucks, unfortunately. Yeah, oh, you're leaning forward very cheerily now. I can't wait for there to be a 40k ranking swing later on in the end of the season for our rankings to flip, Doss. It's going to be fantastic. It ain't happening, mate. It ain't happening. You're dreaming. Okay, it's time. 
Mike Stato, great again. Take it away. Thanks, Dossie boy. Um, yes, decent start, uh, 21.68, which has given me a rank of 4.77, which is a nice start. Um, I, I will say I, I don't get overboard with round one results because it's actually more about structure. Um, and to be fair, I feel for the boys that had to deal with the carnage, um, but I think the fantasy gods have looked down on Stato and said 13 injuries in five rounds after the buyers last year, you deserve one round of um, a, a little bit of good luck because that's what happens at the end of the day. If, and a feel for a couple of boys that were Tom Stewart owners because he was in my team for a fair bit of the pre-season and that's just pure unlucky. Um, so a score of 14 versus, you know, I decided to go with a... Um, uh, with a Dacos who gave 114. So that's just a 100-point difference just with a little bit of luck. In, in saying that, Dacos is likely to get tagged and has got a very hard opponent even if he doesn't get tagged against Port Adelaide next week. So I, I'm expecting not to stay within the top 500 next week. In fact, it'll resettle and we'll get a bit more of an understanding by about round three of everywhere sits. I don't mind the structure though, um, although I, I missed on um, one of our high-scoring uh, rookies, which was a little bit foolish, but this is what week one's all about fixing. Uh, the Lux pick uh, goes to Jared Witts, um, which I think you guys heard me talk about three or four weeks ago. Um, just so much concern with that ruck line and just did not know. Um, obviously, some brave people went Sean Darcy and it paid off really well. Um, I ended up having Marshall, which hurt, um, and Wits as my R2. Um, expecting a, a good score round one and probably settled down round two, three, and four, um, but wasn't expecting the 137 that he pumped out. So that was a nice added bonus. Uh, my sucks, if you can imagine um, with a the score, there wasn't too many that were that were poor, but one that underachieved for me, which was Sarong, um, an 83. What probably really hurt is he was Setterfield until that last practice game and all the talk about him having a, a career year that fittest he's ever been, uh, a tight midfield group and performance in pre-season. They were just ticking all boxes at 770k. Um, decent breakout, uh, only priced at 88, but to give me an 83 round one. Um, but I won't put him on the chopping block. He's got North Melbourne and West Coast Eagles over the next two weeks, so I'll give him an opportunity to redeem himself. All right, Stato keeping a fairly solid lid on it, I'd say, keeping it very... Uh very steady there and not trying to get too ahead of himself, even though he does want to be made great again. Let's get into well, Although our, I will what? say, Dossie, just very quickly, uh, I am ranked 370 in Supercoach. <laughs> oh, jeez. You have really been pouring in time into that format, haven't you? Um, I, I And and look, I, I will say I've had a bit of bad luck over the last few years, but I just went back and said, this year I'm just going to go overboard with the research. Um, very busy man with work, but I just dedicated to say, I'm just going to do a lot more preparation and it's paid off. I appreciate you doing all that research and not sharing any of it with us, mate. But um, I, I haven't. Well. I haven't uh, there's only one player in my list that I haven't talked to you guys about and he might fail this week, which is probably a good reason why I haven't pumped him up. Let's get into our hot 
topics brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. Now, you might have heard the Keeper League Podcast, but you've got to check out the website, keeperleaguepod.com.au, where you can get a heap of fantasy resources, not just for your Keeper Leagues, but for your classic leagues and draft leagues as well. They've got heaps of resources there, including your drafty fantasy scores and a drafty fantasy analysis guide to help you with all the upcoming draft picks that get named throughout the season. You've got a breakout tracker to see where players are heading in their career trajectory. You've got the CBA analysis there, so you can quickly identify who's going up and down in the CBA trends. Also got your kick-ins there, points for and against projections, state league scores. There's a heap there to get. Make sure when you join up to become a member, you use the code PODPOD at sign up to get yourself 20% off. That's PODPOD at sign up. Support them because they support us. Let's get into the major hot topics of the week. I think a lot of coaches are going to want to know what we think about Rory Laird and his poo-poo score. I don't know if any of us had him to start with, so probably hasn't got a mention in our Lux or Sucks segment. But guys, what are our thoughts on Rory Laird? We've got a lot of questions to get through regarding this. We'll mix in the questions in this hot topic. But Rory Laird, I want our thoughts to start with. And who wants to kick us off? Because it is a big big topic of discussion, whether people want to trade, get their cash back, or whether people stick fat. Do they still put the C on him? Holmesy. Yeah, I think where it needs to kind of start. So Adelaide was so dominant in that first half, and there was just no defense coming from the GWS midfielders whatsoever. So Rory Laird really builds his score on secondary stoppages. So being around, get that get that first tackle, then secondary stoppage, get another one, maybe a handball out and really building from there. So that was a bit of a concern from that point of view. It was very clearly Rochelle and Rankin adding that sort of dynamic part to the midfield where Rory Laird wasn't really needed. But was what was real concerning in that second half when the GWS midfielders were dropping like flies, he was still nowhere to be seen. When you really need a senior player to stand up, I don't really have an explanation for it, to be honest. It was just so unlike Rory Laird. In terms of if you're, you're jumping off, I'd love Louis to, to give his thoughts here because I, I mean, I don't have him and or none of us have him, but, you know, would you be looking to trade off him? Well, I mean, first of all, this is why I don't like starting really, really expensive players is because round one is just so random. There's a lot of different things can happen, a lot of different variables. Nobody knows quite what to expect. And when you're paying top dollar, sometimes it's better to just hold back and, uh, and maybe spend a little bit later. As for explaining why Rory Laird had that poor score, uh, he does a weekly segment on SEN. I just happened to be listening to it on my way home from work today. Uh, and he put it down to essentially the conditions. So he said he was gassed, he was buggered, I think it was 33 in Sydney, it was humid, and um, he pretty much put it down to um, him just not being able to get himself into the game because he just felt buggered. So that's not the Rory Laird I know. I would be backing him to come back and bounce back, and as I've said on Twitter before, he's got eight out of, I think, eight games before the buy at home, so he's not going to be stuck in poor conditions again. As for trading him, um, that's a no-go. Uh, you don't you don't pay 1.07 mil in round one um, just to trade a keeper and a perma-captain. Nothing's changed. He's put up a stinker score. Uber Premium's put up a stinker score, uh, you know, every single year at least once or twice. 
Unfortunately, it came in round one when the highest, when the magic number's at its highest and, uh, he comes in at 1.07 mil, but trading him is just, uh, locking in that loss of 60k. And there's every chance next week he goes 130 and, and that break even starts to turn around quite quickly. And you never know. He could even get back to that 1.07 mil as well as he's been shown that he can score like that in the past. So I, I think he's, one that um, is not a bad starting pick. It's unfortunate that it happened. You're going to lose a bit of cash from it, but you've still got that perma-captain. And as many people said at the start of the year before we were locked out, uh, you're essentially banking an extra you know, 10 to 15 points every week with the captain on him if he does fulfill, fulfill his uh, potential. So uh, that, that's my thoughts on Rory Laird. Still a great player. Wouldn't be jumping at shadows there either. Um, a tweet from Bales DT, fellow Adelaidean, um, was saying, this is the lowest score Rory Led's done since round three, 2015, um, if you remove the 2020 season, obviously, with the scaling. So, it's been a while since he's scored that bad. And uh, does anyone else have any opinions on, on you know, any differing opinions, though? Oh, that. you'd have to give him another week. I mean, if you got if you went to the effort of starting him, you have to give him another week and see what it looks like. But I guess as a non-owner, all of us are probably looking at him as a trading target, aren't we? In a couple of weeks' time. Oh, yeah, mate, just- absolutely. But I think if you give him another week, he's unlikely to reach that one seventy-four break-even, and all of a sudden he's under that one mil mark. I think you'd be silly to trade him at that point anyway, because. That's probably when a lot of us are circling him as, oh, God, guys, this guy's 100K underpriced. He's now an upgrade target for all of us. Uh, I just don't think there's any point cutting your ties with that when you've already got him. Yeah, I'm also really looking at a Tom Stewart um, as, a tr- as a trade target uh, in a few weeks, guys. <laughs> just Whoa, too finger. soon. Just cop the finger. He won't be back for a few weeks. He won't be back for a little while. He's that, done that would, so. that would be a dossy move, trying to get ahead of the comp and outsmart everyone and bring him in this week. <laughs> I thought you were supposed you to be using him as the loop, today, maybe? Uh, <laughs> not Holmesy, this week, though. Are you, um, in the defensive line, we talked about Stuart. Um, are you looking at Jake Bowie as a trading target? <laughs> I can't believe Dossie. <laughs> to went. match the great he man. He went 2,100 plus and he's still got like five loose picks in his side. I can't wait for this to tumble. <laughs> There's not five loose picks. Tommy Cole's a must-have, mate. You just missed the boat. Um, well, I'm glad right. I didn't poo-poo you on the Tommy Cole. I actually got around you for that. So uh. You got around me under, <laughs> under, the, under the influence, though. Yeah, and then, uh, the yeah under the influence. And, you um, too happy. Probably need to be under the influence to actually watch him play in my fantasy side too, to be fair. <laughs> All right, that's enough Tom Cole chat. Let's go, please. Okay. Hot topics. All right, so the first hot topic, that was a few. That answers a few listeners' questions. A lot of them were talking about trading Rory Laird. Um, I think the consensus here is just hold strong. Um, we'll talk about the, the Josh Kelly injury. So um, we'll probably touch on it a few times in the show, but 91 points. Um, thankfully got that before getting the KO. But what do you deal with if there's any, um, you know, any injuries to come where it's a one weeker in this new format where you've got two trades a week? I feel like I feel like now it's just an automatic trade usually in, in most scenarios. Would you agree there, Stato? Yes, I would. Um, to be honest, uh, Josh Kelly is a magnificent pick. Um, and God, it showed the only thing that the uh, – the people that um, got him into their teams needed to see was the CBAs in the season proper. Um, they were there. Um, unfortunately, with the concussion protocols, um, he's definitely missing one game, um, potentially two. 
Um, so he's a he's a must trade scenario um, unless you've got that multiple situation. I, I think our biggest drama this year would be if you lose someone in the ruck because none of us have an R three, so we don't have support. Um, and I, I think that model you need to ensure that you always keep something open for a laid out. Um, but look. In the worst case scenario, if you keep Josh Kelly, he only misses the one week and he rolls back uh, into the team, you've got a keeper. Um, I think he's going to be absolutely superb. And, in fact, I'll look at him now because we've seen the evidence. Um, and, and I think for the, the season overall, he's going to be a higher scorer than Green. Yeah, he, he looked he looked outstanding. I don't know about the Tom Green situation, but, I mean, who would have thought Perryman would go down? Like, Perryman went down within, like, five minutes as well. So, we saw a lot of Callum Ward in the end in that engine room. I thought we might actually – I thought Finn Callahan owners might have seen a bit more exposure for him for some centre bounces, but they went back to the veterans to try and get that opening round win um, over the Crows and got the job done in the end. Harmy. Oh, uh, well, Goat, I was just going to say on GWS, they've got a really nice run coming up too. So I've got Kelly and I'm probably just going to correct it by looking at um, Tom Green because he was through the roof. He had 70 points at halftime. Um, yeah, so he's, he's definitely one to look at there. Yeah, um, let's just talk about a, a, a poor owner here um, in our ch- in in the question segment. Tom DT, he's got Sherry and Jelly. Uh, he's thinking of going to Darcy and Tom Green, like you just said, Harmy. What what are your thoughts there, uh, Holmesy? We'll go to Holmesy for this one. So Tom Green and Darcy for Jelly and Sherry. Yeah, on face value, those fix up trades look absolutely spot on. I think I don't think you could really come up much better unless. Maybe, you know, we don't have his whole squad, but if he did miss a Chandler, maybe you need to look at Chandler because, you know, Chandler's going to be the one that's going to make the most coin for us over the next couple of weeks and and we need those. But if he's nailed all his rookies, then, yeah, those fix-up trades are, are spot on. Cool, and Louis was a big fan of that, giving the big thumbs up. But, Louis, over to you. And this could probably take us to our, our next um, our next big hot topic. I, th- I think we talked about Tom Green. I mean, is he... There's no must-haves, but is he up there? We've just mentioned him as a, as a big name. If you don't have him, is he the big, big player this season, Louis, that we have to get in our side if we missed him? Like, Is, is he the number one kind of priority? I wouldn't go as far to say that, Doss. Obviously, a lot of things went in his favour with Perryman going down early, uh, Whitfield getting concussed, and then Josh Kelly quite late in the game also um, would have contributed to that. But just on Tom Green, um, some of the concerns that we had in the practice game was that he handles too much uh, and he didn't spread for marks. And what we saw was that he was able to find the pill 37 times, which we knew he could win the ball. He had a one-to-one handball kick ratio, which is what we like to see. And then he spread for six marks and hit the scoreboard as well as four tackles. So that's the sort of score build you really want to see from your premiums. Uh, And now with the loss of Josh Kelly, Lockie Whitfield and Harry Perryman in the same week, um, you have to to think that there's going to be a lot more ball for Tom Green to be able to um, utilise essentially because he was the leading centre bounce attender for that game. Um, But I think there's just going to be more to go around for Tom Green in that. So... No, I wouldn't call him a must-have, but I think um, if you are able to get to him, uh, he's got the low break even now. He's shown that he's got the capacity to score. 
might have even shown that he can be a keeper. Uh, I, I think he's a good little target to target early on this season, a little bump up to that 850, 900k range. And if you're wrong, um, you take him up to the buyers and hopefully you can sideways him to a, to a genuine keeper. We've got two. It's only round one. Yeah. It's only round one, and we don't really know who the must-haves are going to be. But I'll give you the only one that I can really see at the moment, and that's Sheasel. I mean, he, he's <laughs> a rookie playing on field. His um, price is going to go through the roof, even if he just hits a seventy or eighty over the next few weeks. So he's probably the one. You, if you haven't got him, get him in. Almost. So just to piggyback on that, just to mention Tom Green's next four as well. He's got West Coast, Carlton, Essendon and Hawthorne. So um, he's got pretty soft match up there. Um, Also, as a West Coast fan, uh, Ruben Jinby looked ridiculously amazing as well in that same game. So another rookie that's got amazing job security that if you don't have um, another very high on your radar player. Um, Okay, there's a couple more hot topics and we'll just smash through some questions here for the listeners. But a big hot topic, um, I think this is flagged by maybe Stato, but Dacos already getting a flag um, early that he's going to maybe copper tag this week after that ridiculous performance on the weekend um maybe is there any other sort of tag worries we i think maybe they were a little bit overstated on the weekend a few people thought rory laird was getting a bit of attention your your man sarong actually seemed to get a little bit of attention according to onlookers but was the tag sort of a worry and then looking forward obviously port have already said they're going to do it but Holmesy, is there any is there any reaction for for non-owners like yourself maybe or, or you know non-owners for a stewart side of things going towards a day cost or looking at tags as being an issue at the moment? Uh, look, Dossie, I will say it's definitely a concern. Um, no one wants to trade in a, a player and then cop the tag that week and not get that sugar, as Stato likes to say. But we as a community, we get so fixed. We all, you know, all the podcasts spruik a lot of the same thoughts and we were all very, very convinced that Andy Brayshaw was going to be getting a tag from Ross the Boss round one and that didn't happen. So, it doesn't always play out the way that we think it will, but uh, it's definitely a concern. Stato, what do you think? Maybe Ross the boss values Sarong better. More damaging Yeah, and that's, or actually, that's actually a great point. Um, you know, I know Selby has been really big on this, that Andy Brayshaw is as good as we think he is. He's more of that outside player. And maybe, yeah, maybe they, some teams start to do start to value a Sarong a little bit more if they can shut down his work at the contest a little bit, kind of like how teams go after Libba instead of a, a Bont or yeah. McRae. So. Yeah, I think um, Finn McGuinness is going to cause some headaches this year. He certainly did for Zach Merritt in the first half. But what I found quite interesting was that when the chips were down for Hawthorne and they were essentially being belted, that the tag was lifted. Uh, and I think Hawthorne are going to get belted quite a bit this year. So perhaps that's a sign of things to come that maybe once the chips are fully down for Hawthorne, they go into development mode. They get the kids going. They get the team trying to purr. Uh, they're not playing such a negating role. Uh, I, I do think Finn's going to get a few this year, but I just thought that was a, an interesting little take Um that perhaps uh, it's not going to be this massive clamp from Hawthorne and that when the chips are down, I've said that a few times now, um, they're going to release that tag and perhaps our premiums aren't going to get as burnt on the other end. 
wonder if it would be interesting to see very small game sample would be interesting to see over the the course of the year if that you know if if some of this faster play has anything to do with that and whether you know rolling someone that's a bit more limited and having to having to follow someone around the ground and then not getting used as much on the link up whether that's more damaging to run a tagger like that this year with this faster sort of style that we're seeing early like i said small sample size army I reckon you're probably onto something there, Dossie, because um, that uh, Melbourne and Western Bulldogs game, that was really frantic, and you would sort of expect um, Harms to run with Bont, but he didn't really. They could have sort of played their own game. So, yeah, I mean, good luck trying to keep up with, um, like you're sort of relying on a turnover to try and man up most of the time because they're going that quick. So, yeah, it's a fair point. All right, and the last hot topic, and possibly the biggest topic of them all, um, during the show... I've got a text message from a great man known as Kimbo Jones. Now, that's uh, that's my old man. And just missed a call. I-, I didn't know what the urgent message that he needed to get across to me as the show started. Has a habit of calling me as the podcast is about to begin. He sent through a message. It was obviously urgent. He says, I beat Holmesy. Holmesy, you've lost me, old man. That fantasy. In his second year. Yeah. And you know what, mate? I copped it from every single one of my students at school today as well. But then I also have faith because a lot of them were talking about, you know, potentially trading out LDU this week because his 108 wasn't enough. So, I'm sure I can hopefully climb up the ranks a little bit. (laughs) This is coming, sorry, just for some context. My old man, I had to convince him out. I had to really convince him, just like you guys trying to convince me out of Jake Bowie. I had to really go into bat to say, do not pick Sam DeConning as your premium defender this year. He was that convinced that he was going to continue his form from last year as the cash cow that he had. So, uh, good on you, Kimbo. He's done done well. Um, Let's get into answering some questions from the listeners now. And uh, Lockie Mouks. Wants to know, Noah Anderson, hold or move to a McRae, Green or Cornelio type? Worried about the low ownership and his poor score slash role. Stato, what do you think about this when you've got a a low ownership type player um, like a Noah Anderson and just for this trade in particular? Well, I I didn't get to see the game, so I can't confirm um, what the role is. But role is more important than poor score. So you look at Rory Laird, that's a poor score, but the role was actually there. So you always go by the role. Um, I'm pretty comfortable Noah Anderson's going to be right up there this year, but he did have an interesting result in his practice game, and if this has given you enough data to go, he hasn't got the role that's needed, I would move. Tom Cleveland, mate of mine, a big fan, he says. Mig Price, mid Price, who underperformed, he's got Flanders. Ride it out for a week or two, or jump ship. Again, we can sort of extrapolate this to any mid Price that didn't perform. But Sam Flanders, Harmy, would you be sticking fat here, or are you jumping ship early? I'd probably be inclined to jump ship. Um, yeah, just because I think there's some good options around that price. We, I mentioned Jason Horn Francis before, but there's probably some others like Ezebel. Um, so, yeah, I think there's better options around that price range. Just before depends we- if that's a most sorry, depends if that's your highest priority. I mean, if you don't have any injuries and you haven't missed any rookies, then you can look at something like that. Just before we move on, Harmy, let's let's talk a bit about uh, Jason Horn Francis because he was incredible in that second half. Started the game hot, 
and then he was on 35 at uh, half time, and then Port Adelaide just absolutely smashed Brisbane in that second half. Do we do we think he's a genuine option? Like, don't get me wrong, he's an absolute gun, but he kind of seemed like he played, you know, absolutely out of his skin and still only got to a 90. Now, I know 90 is a good score, but can we see him being able to consistently put up those numbers which we need to? Sato, you got your hand up? Yeah, he's a super coach player. That's what he is. He may turn out to be an AFL fantasy player, but I don't think he's there yet. It potentially could be his highest score for the year. Wow. You think so, Stato? 136 he got in super coach. I know, but also he's look a great, at the matchup. He's a great like, impact player. He's a great impact player. He scored 90 on, on Brisbane when their top scorer was 89. And Dunkley had a 77 and he had 20 CBAs. Couldn't they? You know, Sorry, I had an opinion, game? Doss. I do apologise. I had an opinion. You still only get just three points for breaking out of the centre square and hitting up someone inside <laughs> 50. Still only three points. It's just a concern. All right, that's well, all. He's a good, he's a, yeah. he was a great starting pick. I would, I'm just yeah, flagging, flagging that okay. trading into him now. I'm not sure whether that's going to translate as much as we need for him to be um, close enough to a keeper. But roll tick. Um, you'd think he only gets fitter as the season goes on, as as he had that limited preseason, and they are chips in on, chips in on him being, you know, their their star player. But I think with what Stato said's right, he's much more of an impact player. So I would maybe temper your expectations if you are trading into him. That's all. That's fair. I I was more just pointing out the top scorer in the game was ninety five. So in a more free flowing game, if he's still getting, if he's still a top three centre bounce usage player, you know, yes, there's going to be probably some hiccups during the year. But I think his ceiling in fantasy actually might not just be just super coach player stato. But fair enough. Um, let's move on to the next question: Is Chandler's cash gen too good to miss? From Nick. Um, so that's the first question. So he wants to know, you know, Kelly and Hunt, he's got to Green and Will Day makes sense, but that means skipping Chandler. You kind of touched on it before, but what's more important in that scenario? Who wants to take this one, Holmesy? Um, yeah, look, uh, it's hard without our crystal ball. Um, at this point in time, Chandler's got a 104 in his uh, pricing mechanism, which means his, I haven't looked at his exact break even, but it's going to be negative. 20, 30, something like that. Negative 37, 37. there you go. So a couple of 60 scores throughout the next couple of weeks and he's going to make 100K, 150K very, very quickly. I will say though, no one's ever a must-have and they have Viney, they have May, they have, uh, there's two other players that, oh, Salem and there's one other that are very likely to come back in the next couple of weeks. So Fritch. Yeah, Fritch, that's one. And you know Fritch is going to be playing forward and he plays that sort of hit-up role at times as well where now they've got those big tools, he's going to be coming up the ground. So it's definitely a concern. You have missed that 60K, but I think you probably do have to punt on it that he's going to get another three games and and make 150K. This one from Benny Harmy. I noticed Stocker has scored decent in the practice match in round one. Could he be a cheaper option than Will Day in defence? Uh, well, he would be if he's priced that way, but he's probably not someone I'd be chasing. I mean, geez, he was a bit, a bit lucky to get picked up on the list, and yeah, I think that there would be better options. Okay, Louis, um, just going back one last time here for Tom Green. Um, dodged all bullets from shoulders. This is uh, from shoulders. Dodged all bullets, but went Tom Green, um, in, went LDU instead of Tom Green. The only way he can get 
Green now is either trading McRae or Bont or find the cash somehow to upgrade Sheed. What do you think? Is that something you'd look at? Either up, you'd go the up from Sheed or would you go down from a McRae or Bont? Now, you're going up from Sheed. If you're, if you're trading down from a McRae or a Bont, you're sacrificing what I believe will be a bona fide keeper for a bloke who might be thereabouts being a keeper, but you're still punting on it. Whereas in the other scenario, you've got Sheed, who looked like he was a fair bit off of it, and you're taking him up to potentially someone that you can keep and certainly run up into the buys and maybe a little bit past it. So uh, every day of the week, you're going Sheed up. You're not, you're not cutting your premiums after round one. That's how you find yourself stuck, wondering how you've got no cash generation and... Uh, and what you can do next. So, no, it's certainly the mid-pricer up to the guy who's potentially going to break out. This is an interesting question from Thomas. Miss Chandler again, but the, unfortunately, the only way he's getting by trading Ollie Hollands is going rookie to rookie worth it. And I think this is a common issue that we come across every year, and I can be the one to say that is not the way to to fix your team. I've been the, on the wrong end of this multiple times, but what's the answer to this, Stato? Or Louis, you want to take this one? No, well, I was just going to mention on your point. Look, we see rookies put up stinker scores, and then the next week they suddenly find it and they're able to do it. So um, going from rookie to rookie doesn't get you anywhere. You're just treading water that whole time, and um, it, it's just not worth it. So, you know, it, there's every chance that with Ollie Holland's game, who played high time on ground and on that wing, um, that this week he, he pops a 70 or a 75 because he just happens to be in the right place, right time. And, and that goes towards all the rookies. You just never know how they're going to score. That's part of what rookie roulette is uh, and why trading from a rookie to another rookie can, can be quite punishing in a way. Do you think, just on that point, if any of these rookies, you know, say a Hollands or say someone like that gets a red dot in the weeks to come though, in it's say in round two, is it then okay to still go rookie to rookie or is it more important? I remember Holmesy, for instance, you were one that sort of traded very quickly out of those mid-price players. Is that more important to do at this time of the year? So this is the way I'm kind of thinking about it. If an Ollie Hollands, which he won't, I think he was um, yeah, good in what he did. An example, but yeah. if Hollands got dropped and you were going from Hollands down to Chandler, that's something I would tick off because um, Chandler's price is going up and Hollands is going to be stuck. But what I wouldn't be doing is finding 55K to go from a Campbell Chesser or one of those players that are dropped because you're wasting money to upgrade to a rookie um, and you're going to need that cash elsewhere. So I'd be finding another way to get Chandler in that doesn't involve, you know, spending 60K to go one of those guys up. But that's just how I see it. Harmy, do you see it differently? No, no, I think you're on the money there, mate. Okay. I, I just don't really like. I mean, I did a bit, bit of this last year and the year before, sideways trading those rookies like like for like, just because one gets dropped one week, and then they come back a couple of weeks later, and the player you traded in gets dropped. So I think you sort of got to be a little bit patient with some of them, especially the ones with good job security that are best twenty two players. Well, is this another is this another two sidewaysy one from from Lockie turning Sheed into Warple to afford Green to Chandler? That's a that's a um, Green from Hawthorne, Stato. No, I yeah. think that's okay. I, I yeah. think you're, you're cutting a mid pricer who doesn't look like they're going to cut it. You're going down to a Warple who's performed. He's got the role. He's got the lower break even. He's got the cash generation. 
Uh, Green didn't show a lot. I think he's going to be a slow burn. I think he'll be okay on our bench still, but obviously Chandler's probably the uh, the pick of the rookies this week. I- I'd tick that off. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on it, Stato, though. I'm sorry to interject there, mate. No, no, I think you're close to the mark. Um, the The interesting bit is we've got two trades every week, and if you don't have problems... Um, The decision is made, do I use this or not? And that's when I turn to the break-even game. So I would – Hollands has got a break-even of 28, I think. Chandler's got a break-even of negative 37. If I've got nothing else to do, I'm quite happy to put an extra 30 grand in the kitty, which it would be from Hollands down to Chandler. Um, and take the the higher price rise. But that's only if you haven't got other things to do. And let's face it, how many rounds have we got that freedom? Three more quick ones. Uh, Just a simple one from Liam. Is Zeeble a great option, Harmy? Yes. Wow. All right. Defensive role, keen on the fossil? Yes. Wow, okay, keeping that close to their chest, boys. That's uh, that's all Pod Pod family. That's all you need to know. Go out and uh, hunt yourself a Jack Zebel. And uh, uh, this one- Harmy, Harmy, good for us, mate, because we can't even consider him because we've got four straights. Yeah, it'd be nice if he was a defender. Well, gee, that could be a blessing in disguise in the end. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the biggest up and down player fantasy. You, you hate to own him, hate not to own him, Zebel at just times. Do, just, uh, on, we talk just on about that, Dossie. Just on that, Dossie. So, yeah, let's talk about him quickly. So, Setterfield's going to get it all. So, let's go Zeeble. So, 109 on the weekend. We've seen what he's done in that role in the past. Um, all you're going to need is, a you know, two more scores in a row where he's sort of 80, 90, even 100 plus and he's, his price could absolutely shoot up, which it will. Plays Frio this week at Optus. I'm pretty sure if you look at the last time he played Frio at Optus, he, he had a 180, which... I'm not saying he's going to have 180, but if I was North Melbourne, I think they're going to chip around a little bit in the, the back line at Optus there to try and get around Freo. So if there's ever a week to do it and take a punt, I think this is the week to do it. And he's, wow. he's going to pick up that defensive status. Uh, if he can go a 90, which we know that Zeeble can and has done multiple times in his career, then he's quite a serviceable F6-D6 and potentially a mid-pricer you're jumping on in round two. Uh, to be a keeper for the rest of the year. So I, I, I quite like Jack Siebel, um this week. And he's someone even going back to his previous scoring. You go back to 2013. So uh, if he's played 18 or more games, you've got 94, 84, 90, 95, 94, 82, 89, 100. Uh, so we're looking at a player who's got that capacity to score. And he's, if he's in the team, I think he's got a role. In saying that, we, we can't just be all positive. It still is Jack Zebel. They played the Eagles on the weekend, who are uh, very easy to play against and against a tougher side. You know, maybe he does have a more accountable role. You would think he's not just going to let the Freo forwards do what they like. And, um, you know, he's had some soft tissue stuff already this preseason, I think. So it is fraught with danger. But, you know, we do know that these are the type of picks that if they do come off, then you're well on your way to to being that top 100. So there's both sides of the equation. Yeah, and it yep. is worth mentioning, uh, sorry, Harmy, that Hall yeah. is uh, in the twos at the moment. He's fit and uh, he's vying for a spot in that side. So 
Got to be cautious of that. And just on the fixture, I, I'm not sure what to think of it. I'm not sure if Zeeb was a better scorer against tougher opposition due to the uh, inside 50s that they let up or or against easy opposition. So that, that'll be one to, uh, to watch this week if you're not trading into him because he's still quite cheap where you can get a look at him. He's 34 years old too. 32? He's 32. 32, is he? He's a bit younger still than fresh. I thought too. Yeah, he was younger than I thought too. For, still fresh. Um, yeah, led the kick-ins for Kangaroos and it looked like as soon as West Coast sort of was starting to come back a bit, they went straight back to that Zeeble, off to McDonald, off to Sheasel, who got himself very much involved, enjoyed a show, exhibited serious thirst, I might say, Sheasel, for a bit of a plus six there. So, um, yeah, all right, interesting. Jack Zeeble on the radar of the Pod Pod family here. Two more questions, I think, here we've got. This one from Free Kick Liam. Which trade targets are the biggest traps and why will it be anyone who plays against Hawthorne and West Coast the week prior? Do we have any big traps that we can think of that are in the popular trade-ins, Holmesy? Uh, I'm not going to say a trap, but I did mention it earlier on in the pod. I, will Day, I think. Um, you just temper your expectations a little bit. Um, I'm not sure he's going to go... 90s, I think off that CBA roll, only 26%. There's going to be games where they just don't aren't able to get him the ball as much. But like Harmy said, he's definitely going to outscore his price, you would think. So maybe not a trap, but you, you have missed that 98. Yeah, I'll throw one in there too. I think Bodie Ooland uh, is a bit of a trap. There's a lot of blokes to come back for the Gold Coast. He's got that nice break even, but it's nothing we haven't seen before from other rookies who have then been dropped the next, the next week. So... Uh, I can see danger written all over that, and I'd avoid him as a downgrade target. Can I throw Warple into the mix for non-owners? I know you guys are pretty pretty happy and saw the role and stuff, but still a quarter he had in the second quarter, he had seven points, and it seemed like there, there was a couple of quarters didn't score well. And there's, there's every chance that the, the magnets switch within the first few weeks if, if they want to get Ward inside, if they want to get other players inside. Will Day, like you said, 22% CBAs. He could be straight into the guts next week. So much, so many questions. And like, I don't know, I just, I just throw it. A bit of caution out there. I wouldn't say it's, uh, you know, one too risky, but Holmesy? Yeah, Doss, he did have 77% CBA. So he was the main guy in there, even more than Newcomb. So, you know, you are right. There's always the risk that the magnets get swung. But I think off the evidence we've seen now, that's um, a preseason game where he was in there as one of the main guys. Round one, yes, they've got pumped, but um, that's that's enough evidence now to say that I think um, you could, you'd, someone you could be still relatively confident, confident, uh, trading into if you did miss him. I would have thought, Harmy, you were the one. You come into the group chat, you're all about Warple, and then he, at that point, he stopped scoring for the next thirty minutes. So I appreciate that, but you were pretty sold from what you saw. Ah, uh, yeah, I think he just did what we thought he would do. Um, even though I was a bit worried because he's so up and down, but I mean, he came out and he played exactly the role that you would want out of him. So I think he played a pretty good game. I don't think that Mitchell, Sam Mitchell is going to be disappointed with what he did. So he's got that role for the next few weeks at least, I reckon. I, no. I agree. I think everyone getting caught up on how he disposes of the football uh just need to check out what he's doing at the clearance work. So he's seven clearances, which is pretty much a third of his touches. Uh, he's got a role in that midfield brigade, and you don't know if Sam Mitchell was telling him to just get the ball out, mate, and you know clearance, clearance, clearance every time. Um, what I saw was a bloke who's pretty much the main midfielder for Hawthorne. I like it a lot, and I think he's oh, under. 
Nah, Holmesy, there's nothing to worry about, mate. Um, as I was saying, you, you got to yeah stick stick fat with Warple. Nothing to worry about at all, Holmesy. Don't uh, throw that in the mix. Um, Rowan Potter, who's your biggest bounce back candidate from week one? Our last question here. Who do you reckon will have the biggest bounce back? Is it Laird, Stato? Yep, Laird. Oh, Dossie, one more question. Ooh. You missed one. Okay. Yep, says, um, is there any truth to the rumour that the original GOAT, Selby Lestier, has joined you as an assistant coach and forced you to change your classic team name this season? <laughs> no, look, that was just a, a, an executive decision um, as the heir to Selby to uh, to change it to Dos Rera's Magic. Um, and on my venture towards the, the Lux, on my journey, um, you know, I just thought it was right to honour the former GOAT and as I, as I transition into a GOAT this season. Okay, it's time for Fossil's top five targets. The Fossil's five, we call it. Now, we're going to make this pretty quick, uh, Dossie, to uh, to make Stato great again. Uh, man needs to eat and heading into our fourth hour of this podcast, uh, getting a bit fangy. So just going to rattle through. Uh, each week I have a look um, at the best options for the week, and it obviously depends what has happened in your team, whether there's a bit of damage control you need to do. Um, but this early in the season, your first priority uh, needs to be the cash gen. So Kay Chandler is obviously topping the list, and it's a pure break-even play here, um, but would suggest he remains on your bench, so 260 k he costs. Um, if, if you're looking at uh, replacing Josh Kelly, number two is Tom Green. He certainly has the role in the scoring Power. Noting with Kelly and Whitfield out, he may get a tag, so just be mindful of that. But at 782, I think he's still great value. Uh, Will Day, um, I heard Holmesy sort of warning people about uh, his scoring potential and that you're not going to get that every week. That is correct, but you might need a short fix to, to boost a uh, bolster your defence with a couple of outs. And I will say I'm a little bit worried that defence rookies are flaky so I'm trying to find a way to ensure that I haven't got reliance on rookies besides uh, Jinby um, very early in the season Jack Zebel, we've mentioned him before is at number four um, has that role that we saw the great scoring in 2021 he's only uh, 572 so great value for him and last but not least just for Dossie to make sure he feels pretty special Jordan Ngoi, the man that ruined my season last year. His role looks absolutely superb. So Mitchell and Adams are doing all the, the grunt work that Ngoi was left to do last year, and he's getting on the outside, which means you'll get more plus sixes and a lot more kicking than the handballs. Um, ruined my year last year, but he's going to make Doss a happy boy at 724K. Beautiful. Love it. Thank you very much, Stato. Okay, this is the the part of the the show where trying something a bit different. We want to just do a roundtable discussion of, of things we noticed this round, and I want this to really be an open conversation of things we just usually talk about in our in our private group chats or whatever, and just talk about some of the key observations from the round and things we're looking forward to. So I just want to start this off. Um, let's go back around around the table, and why don't we start with uh, Harmy? How about you? What have you got for your roundtable discussion here? 
Um, look, I guess we all get a little bit worried in the last week there about which rookies we're going to have named um, coming into round one. Um, but we got a few come through and we got some really good results from them as well. So I guess that's one of the things that I took away is all that panic we do every year wasn't really that necessary. Um, and we have some, I guess, probably looking better than others and more reliable than others. Um I guess I'll just sort of talk through mine perhaps and feel free to jump in with any that we missed. I think the only area of concern that I have with the rookies is the back line. I probably, I had started with six on field plus Finn Callahan in the midfield as well. I probably would have liked now in hindsight to have gone maybe one shorter and had just one being Jimby on, on field in the back line and having another mid price such as like a Will Day, which if I could go back in time, that's probably what I would do. But I mean, Harry Sheasel, um, Mackenzie, Ashcross was a bit quieter, but still really good. Um, I did have Chandler, Pedler. I sort of got most of them, but there was a little bit of a rookie roulette there where I had Cowan um, on field as the as the round one game. Um, Carlton playing first, I put him on field, which I probably shouldn't have done. But yeah, any thoughts on guys? Did any that we missed along the way for you? Do we think uh, the role's real for for Bodie at Gold Coast because he he scored quite well. I do worry about the players coming back for for Gold Coast, but in terms of the numbers he put up and the role he had compared to say Chesser and and those guys, what are your thoughts there, Harmy? I saw a little bit of that um, game, and he looked really good in that last quarter. Um, I think he might have turned it over once in the back line there, but he was sort of in and amongst it um, all the time. So I thought he looked quite good. I mean, it, like his last year was a write-off with a back injury. So I think – and like he sort of would have gone earlier in that draft, but he was one of those – like um, is it the academy picks? It's like yes. it was, that's where he was zoned. So um, I think that the club really rates him. Um, so, yeah, you're right. They once Weller um, and um, Power come back, m- maybe there's not a spot for him. But he's got a good few weeks, I'd say. You probably make hundred grand at least. Yeah, and just on some of those defensive rookies, do we think that uh, Miller Bergman might have a bit of job security just because he was rolled out with that round one side uh, with Alistair Clarkson, obviously coaching his first game for North. He's picked his best twenty three there. Uh, is that a sign that perhaps he's got, you know, two, three, four weeks um, time in that side to at least cement his spot? Yeah, Matt, you would you would think so. You'd think he's definitely in their plans. The one in the back of the mind is always Aaron Hall. Like, he shouldn't be coming in. They've just had a really good win against the Eagles. First time they've had a win in a while. You would think they – well, he's, you'd think he wouldn't come in this week, especially with Sheasel playing out of his skin in that back line. You'd think – it's his position to lose now, but yeah, you would always be worried that if he has a real stinker of a game that, you know, you've got an Aaron Hall waiting to come into the wings. Did uh, did Core play in that game? I can't remember whether Core played either, so that's another senior body that could potentially come back in that they're paying big money as well. So yeah, it's, it is a, it, a bit of a risk, I would think. I, I guess another oh. name I, I'll just throw out there, I, I don't have a heap of confidence as well, but... Um, with Cherry going down, you assume Goldstein does come back in, but Charlie Combin came out and scored an 80. He had the uh, the most ruck contest for the game. They obviously, they rolled Hugh Greenwood in there as well, but he had 40 ruck contests once Cherry went down, scored the 80, kicked a goal, 13 touches, six tackles and a few marks. Looked pretty good. Is he potentially an option, zero break even for us, or is that just too risky without knowing what they're going to look like in the ruck department and how much action he gets there? Yeah, I think that was purely just to um, reset their structure, DOS. So, Cherry went down reasonably early. 
Um, they had to make do. T- next tallest guy on the list might even be an- even taller again. It's Charlie Combin. Makes sense to chuck him in the ruck. And then I think next week we'll see Goldie come in. You might see a bit more of a split um, just because Goldie is capable up forward and Combin, you know, showed a bit in the ruck. But he is more of a forward and I think that's how things will go for the rest of the year. All right. Let's get on to our next discussion point. Stato, take it away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, what I took out of the weekend, uh, noting I couldn't see the games on Saturday because I was working, so it was only Thursday, Friday, and the Sunday games that I paid a lot of attention to, but it's the trends we're seeing of the scores. So um, we're actually seeing a couple of teams really hard to score against. So we know Port's been tough for defenders, they seem to be tough for everything right now. That's what we learnt from the Brisbane game. Um, Fremantle, bes- besides their defence, so there are a couple of um, defenders for St Kilda that probably scored over and above uh, what I expect them to do. But they, I don't think there was a ton scored against them, or it might have been just one Jack Steele. Um, so that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on eye on, uh, especially when you've got North Melbourne. We've got a lot of North Melbourne players uh, actually have, um, playing uh, in our teams. And the next one was the amount of ball uh, against St Kilda in defence. And um, I hope people aren't jumping on too many of those Frio defenders because you're either on them and got the reward or you're paying for scores that, that happened previously. But that's the key thing I start looking at week in, week out to see what the trends are. Obviously, Cal has his scale of hardness um, and that's the data they actually look at. So um, we always want that sweet, sweet sugar hit when we bring someone in and looking at the matchups and, and what the trends are become really important. Yeah, Stato. So just on that then, so let's, talking about Essendon, bit of a hot topic at the moment, Will Setterfield. Um, you know, coaches looking to bring him in maybe this week, knowing that um, he's just had a major or a big game against the Hawthorne and he's got a really good role, 71% CBAs. Do you worry a little bit that we've missed we've missed the big one and if we are trading into him now, it's it might revert back to that sort of 90-95 average that we may have predicted in the preseason? Do you think it's still worth it for coaches? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I wanted Setterfield in my team. I didn't go there because I wanted to see it was real because, to be fair, I was sort of the lone voice and that little gets a little bit worrying where they're the only one sort of batting for that. Um, but the role's real, um, but so were the opposition. The, the opposition have uh, been given up points to midfielders for some time. So there's a couple of little things I'll say there. Um, firstly, uh, it's not too often inside midfield is going to get 50 points a quarter. So um, there was no other major standout quarter, just a really solid scoring game. Um, so do I think he's going to average 120 for the year? Absolutely not. I think about 95 is around the right mark. So you've got to think, what am I recruiting in? I'm recruiting in uh, a 95 averaging midfielder. That's the way you need to look at He is value because what he's priced at, um, and that's the key thing. But just don't expect that Will Setterfield's going to give you 120 each week. But um, I've been saying all pre-season he's a breakout candidate because of the role and Essendon needed that bigger body in the midfield. 
It get, depends. Get it depends who you're trading down to as well. I mean, mid prices play an important role in our side. Um, so I yep. think being able to go sideways to somebody that you've seen that's already got the low break even and scoring capacity is important. You've got you know two, three, four weeks to make some cash off of that, knowing that he's got that lower break even. If he can go ninety ninety five, it's probably a pass mark. I think uh, you just have to be wary that you're not, you know, for example, a Josh Kelly, which in my basket, you're not going down from a Josh Kelly to a Will Setterfield because you're sacrificing a keeper um, just to bring in a guy that you're very likely going to trade, uh, you know, as the DPP additions come in or sort of that round six sort of area, I think. Someone that would have watched that game very closely, Harmy, uh, your thoughts on Will Setterfield? Uh, I think that 95 is a bit optimistic um, for what he'll average over the course of the season. But look... After round one, he looks like a bit of a smash pick, doesn't he? Look, I'm, I'm just not going to bend over backwards to get him into my team. I think there are, for me, other priorities probably. He's the type of player that if you are going to jump, it has to be this week. It's not going to be a, he goes well again this week and then you jump on again because if he if he goes 100 again, I think they've got another decent matchup. I think Sounds. Gold Coast, is it? Yep. Yeah, so Gold Coast. So there's, there's one of the other easiest matchups in footy as well. So... If he goes another 100 and then his price jumps to, say, you know, being priced at around 77, which it probably will, then the upside is probably gone if he's going to then revert back to that 90 to 95. So if it's the, it's the week, you got to do it, basically. All right, Louis, your roundtable discussion. Yeah, so the sub's going to cause some issues this year. Uh, I think we knew that going in um, and then it was just confirmed throughout the season. So... Uh, I think there's going to be ways that we can sort of mitigate the risk with this and it's a little bit of my thinking uh, with fielding Fergus Green in round one is that I'm trying to pick guys on field who I don't feel are a risk to be the sub. So we saw a lot of guys like uh, your Mateus Philippou, your Chesses, uh, even your Luke Peddlers, uh, Chandler as well, they all played low time on ground. So even though it's a preseason game, you have to think that, you know, maybe, just maybe once it comes round one, they're a candidate to come off at three-quarter time or even they're a candidate to come on at three-quarter time. So I think we need to be careful about this and there's ways that we can sort of mitigate those risks. So I think coaches need to be a little bit mindful of that and, uh, and just try to avoid that um, three-quarter sub, which we got with a Cowan even on night one. All right, Holmesy, do you want to do your um, your discussion point? Yeah, so I suppose mine's sort of a little bit um, selfish here in the fact that I have both Tom Stewart and Josh Kelly that are forced trades that I need to fix um, this round. And unfortunately for, for me and Harmy is Stewart plays on the Thursday night. So we're going to have to essentially lock our trades in on that Thursday night before we even know what the final squads are on Sunday. So it just makes it a little bit interesting. So, Harmy, I'm going to throw to you as someone that has both of these players. What are your initial sort of thoughts on where we sort of go from here? Well, I'm keen to trade both of them. Um, And I say that because I think that having a premium sitting on your bench, um, even look, even with Kelly may come back next week, but it's, there's a chance he doesn't also. So I think it's too much money sitting on the bench. I think you're going to have to trade them. But what I'll probably do is um, trade Stuart and I may sort of give um, a rookie a bit of a look on um, 
the midfield rookie a look as an emergency. So, um, and if they popped an 80, say, maybe I hold um, Josh Kelly and look at something else. But, yeah, I'm going to have to trade um, Stewart early. I've been looking at a range of options, whether it's just trying to go like for like or maybe one up, one down. There's a whole range of options we can go to. So, yeah, I think that defensive um, trade is my first one I need to try and nail down, mate. Yeah, so I suppose my next sort of follow-up question to that, and I might even throw it to Stato because so I'm torn on whether I go right up. So I'm, I'm quite weary that you know, Sicily was someone I was looking at very hard in the preseason, and, and yes, he passed the eye test. He was fantastic, but he is coming up against Sydney this week, which is a much tougher matchup. So I am a little bit worried in, in terms of trading into that straight away. So do we look to go straight up to a Sicily-Dawson-type Stato or... You know, is there a world where we can maybe look at a Hayden Young? I I would like to look at a Dacos as well, but I do worry about that Port Adelaide matchup, and that would just be the nail in the coffin if I went Stewart to a, a tag Dacos 60 against Port. So a Hayden Young, do we think it's real? What can he do in that role? I know the, the defender scoring against St Kilda was well elevated, but he didn't go, he wasn't a you know a 150 out of the box. He was someone we were seriously looking at. So can he be a 95? Can he be, you know, close enough to the top six? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, certainly did pass the eye test, but noting it was St Kilda. And, and you're right, he is someone we were looking at all pre-season and it was just the practice game um, that we turned around and went, ooh, this wasn't good. I will say it was without Luke Ryan, so whether that makes a, a, a difference to what his actual role is... Um, is a bit of a question mark. Um, Luke wasn't showing getting the footy himself on the weekend either, just quietly. I think he's the highest scorer of the round. But, uh, look, I, I think it's worthwhile. Um, who's the matchup that they've got? North Melbourne. Um, so it's got a good matchup. And you're right, it's not the week to bring in Dacos. You, you do want to try and get that sweet, sweet sugar. But when you get these guys, you're hoping you actually keep them. Um, so I'd probably be looking more than just this week and ha- actually have a look at the next three um, because if round three um, Hayden Young's got Port Adelaide himself, I'm just talking hypothetically, it's probably the not the uh, smartest he's, move. He's got, he's got the Eagles in round three, so it's another good match up there. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's what I'm so looking I, at. I, Yep, I think that's quite worthwhile. Um, Outside the practice game, everything else ticks the box. Just, um, I'll be honest with you, Holmesy, the players I've been looking at are young, like Freya, I've got an awesome run coming up. I quite like the look of him. Cicely, you mentioned. Um, Ed Richards, uh, Dossie, hate to say it, but um, he did look pretty good. Um, coming out of the back line there for the dogs. Will Day, he put up a score. I was probably He's probably one I was a bit jealous I didn't take when I've been looking at him for weeks, but anyway. And then I'll give you a smoky if uh, West Coast come out during the week and say that Elliot Yeo's back and the calf's all good and he's tearing up the track. That may be an option for us as well. Just why you bring him up, Harmy. So let me actually get your opinion on this. So Will Day scored 98. Fantastic. Tick that, but... Off 26% CBAs and just getting purely, you know, really outside ball, do we think that's sustainable? Uh, it's still a fair bit more than what he's priced at, so he's like one of those mid-priced options. Um, yeah, just try and make a bit of money, accepting that he's not going to be a keeper. 
Perfect. All right, just to wrap up these uh, this round table, and we'll have to think of a segment name for this, I think. But um, my first or my discussion point is around the rucks and just that debate. I mean, there was a big talk about Marshall being a must-have. I, I guess the first question is, was there any worry um, in, in what you saw from Marshall or is this just a match-up thing with Sean Darcy um, to start with? Because I just want to say my, my um, I was almost forced, I think, really due to my structure that I was a bit stubborn on changing and, and I went with Darcy over Marshall, which in the end obviously helped me for this one round. But just looking at Darcy, the big fella, looks, looks such an imposing figure as he always does, but Look to just dominate Marshall. And even in one-on-one contests, he was just calling for it one out, just was looking to absolutely dominate. And he looks like he's in in that R2 territory sort of for me. So I was just wondering you guys' thoughts if we have maybe a little bit of a rethink about what our rucks look like. Tim English obviously looked like an amazing R1 kind of standout for me as well. But I just wanted to revisit that. And obviously some people looking at their sherry options that went there, maybe, you know, which way you'd go as your as your next big dog here. Dossie, I think you might find that um, it was just a really tough matchup and you're never just picking your Ruckman for the first round of the season. You really need that to play out. So I wouldn't really be jumping at shadows just yet on a roll Marshall. I think he's got plenty of time to um, get back to what we know he can do. I will say, though, that St Kilda team, the way they played, the scoring really dried up. Um, the way that they're going to play under Ross Lyon was very uh, old school in terms of that press around the ground and not having that free-flowing football that we've seen of the St Kilda team of last year. So their scoring did significantly dry up, but I think you would be jumping at shadows if you are trading out Rowan Marshall at this stage. Nothing wrong with old school, Holmesy. Did not mean to trade him out, but sorry. I think you missed the boat. Like, if you're going to go Darcy, you probably um, should have started with him. So, I mean, it may be a choice for you if you've got um, Tristan Cherry in the ruck and you've got that injury, but you're not going to sideways trade one of those other high-priced rucks just to go to Darcy, I don't reckon. Yeah, Darcy, I, I, I suppose you're meaning if someone had Cherry and they didn't start Marshall, so going up to him. I think the only thing that's going to happen there is that you're getting Royal Marshall slightly cheaper than what we all paid for him. Yeah, and look, honestly, uh, all those rucks performing has probably created a bit more uncertainty. So I think that with another round of data, another two rounds of data, we, we could see things flip. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's worth uh, reacting to that just yet. Yeah, I wanted to go early and react. Darcy just looked amazing. <laughs> Harmy? Uh, one of the things I was going to do was um, trade, because I started with English and Marshall, one of the things I was going to do was move um, English down to Darcy to start and then move um, a forward rookie up to Jason Horn francis But Louie talked me out of that, so thanks, Lou. Did I? Did you listen to the podcast last week? I really pumped him up for the last one. I wish I started him. He, he, he did look good, didn't he? Horn Francis, Zebel, Laird, Tom Cole. I mean, what more could you want from the first episode back of the Pod Pod? That'll do it, though, for this week. We look forward to seeing you in round two. I hope you had an awesome round one. And if you didn't, there's always next week. You'll be back. You'll be back with Dossie soon enough on the Lux Chase. Make Stato great again. We'll see you next week. Make Stato great again. I'm back. This is not fake news. It's going to be great. I tell you, it's going to be great. Make Stato great again.